excited to share with you about a guy of epic proportions. He was so revered as a leader in the Jewish world that they even named their legal and religious practices after him, calling it Mosaic Law. And right in the middle of this account in the Bible, it says Moses was content. It's kind of a strange stop in his story that you almost miss it. This guy content? Do you know many epic people who say they're content? It seems to me that generally people who are doing epic things are always hungry for more. For more sales, for more impact, for more experiences. This epic man Moses lived about 3,500 years ago, and his life is recorded in the Bible. Many of us are on the hunt for ways to help us live an amazing everyday life, but we often overlook the Bible as a source of wisdom. The self-help movement invites you to look to yourself for wisdom, for guidance, for a true north. But they also invite us to flirt with the occult, with its mysticism and varied practices. They teach that you can manifest what you want and to create an ideal vision of your life because the universe has your back and only wants good for you. Some say that they teach from disembodied spirits for wisdom. These teachings, like Abraham Hicks, are widely circulated in the law of attraction and self-help crowd. Maybe you don't actively do these things, but you could instead be guided by people who practice and teach them. It's interesting to me since many New Agers say they don't believe in God or acknowledge God or consider religious things. Like maybe they're thinking, I can believe these spirits are real, that they have something important to impart to me. I can believe in getting my energy right to manifest what I want, but it isn't a religion and not a God. Friends, it is in fact a faith-based religion. When you're looking for a formula for a successful life, the Bible makes its intentions clear. In John 10.10, God's Son, Jesus Christ, said very simply, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. He wants you to have a full, abundant life, an adventure of a lifetime. And we're told over and over how to have that life. To some Christians, that may seem like a gross oversimplification. So I ask for a little grace as I unpack these concepts. Before Jesus Christ lived, there was a guy named Moses. And we can learn so much from him about life, leadership, people, decisions, God all the things we wrestle with in life. Moses' life began with a pretty epic beginning, and he was adopted into the Egyptian royal household. His bio mom was able to help her infant escape death by hiding him for three months because the Egyptian pharaoh had ordered all male infants killed at birth. But there came a time when he couldn't be hidden any longer, and she placed him in a basket on the riverbank. The pharaoh's daughter saw the basket and took pity on the baby and adopted him. She gave him the name Moses. She was not equipped to feed an infant. And what a coincidence his big sister Miriam was watching these events unfold and she suggested a nearby nurse, Moses' own mom. So bio mom got to wean her baby boy, probably to age three or so, and even earned wages from the princess for her trouble. The Pharaoh tried to destroy Israel, but his own daughter's pity preserved the nation's future deliverer. As we read these accounts of Moses' beginnings, 
Sometimes we can be lulled by the cadence of it. This circumstance happened, and then this action, and then the result worked out in the end. It seems almost fictional because the pieces all seem to work perfectly. But we know that's not how it works in real life. Or do we? We have the benefit of Moses looking back on his life in the biblical account. When you look back on your life, can you see the pieces coming together that were totally absent at the time? I think we want to see progressive movement on a linear, congruent path in our life. We get this job, we get the spouse, we have the kids, the promotion, the lifestyle, then the new promotion, etc. We expect it. We demand it. We get upset and we feel out of sorts if it isn't happening, especially with a big setback. Like me, I'm in a season of setbacks. I lost my job in a company that I worked for for 19 years. I've been experiencing a lot of pain with a back injury and nerve entrapment. I can tell you based on circumstances, it looks like the forward progress of my life seems really off track. You throw in more trials. We lost a member of our close family to divorce. Of course, all the financial concerns around a job loss and the potential of losing medical insurance with mounting health problems. And then you add in difficulty with my tween kids' behavior and decisions. 2021 was really, really challenging for a lot of us. So yeah, life can feel like not only a step back, but a devastating tsunami of suffering. Moses' bio mom, she's a real-life mom named Jacobed. She tries to protect her kids for as long as she could. There aren't a lot of details, but as one mom to another, many of us can relate to this cause to want to protect our kids. Even now more timely, some think that injecting their kid with something will help protect them, and some think that the injection inflicts harm and offers only risk. We struggle with these life decisions on some level, and honestly, many of us are just doing the best we can with the tools we have. Can we offer that grace to one another, to ourselves? I think that Moses' bio mom, Jacobed, she puts her faith in God that he is able. I think that that's an important distinction. Faith in yourself, your actions, seems like a great thing, but it only gets you so far. There are a lot of uncontrollables. We can do what we can do, but at some point, critical results are out of our hands. God has preserved her baby thus far. He will continue. I think that decision of faith doesn't come lightly. Maybe she was very gung-ho, didn't wrestle with it. But I suspect maybe not. She's a real-life woman, a mom. How can she not wrestle with it? The Bible defines faith for us in the New Testament in Hebrews 11 as the assurance of what we hope for and the certainty of what we do not see. It's not an exhaustive definition, but it helps us understand the element of inner conviction. Sometimes we don't even need to think about it. Our inner conviction is so strong. I grew up in poverty, really difficult circumstances and times of need. But for many of us growing up in that situation, we don't pause before flicking the light switch. Unsure if your parents paid the electric bill. And the chair you sat on today. You didn't pause first to see if it would hold your weight, did you? 
that's faith too. And some of that law of attraction and the name it and claim it stuff at its basis is an element of faith. But here we have Jochebed seeing God's protection on her family, on the midwives. Her faith wasn't in her own actions, but in her God, he was able. The uncertainty of events seems so fictionally formulaic to us now. But behind these events was a real life family who struggled to let go of control. Is your faith in the power company, the chair, the law of attraction, or what energy you use to claim a thing? Is your faith in those objects or concepts or in a God who's able? Moses was plucked from a river, and it reminds me of how windy the waterways are. When you look at a river's path, it seems so much easier to just erase some of the bends, make it more straight and efficient. And that's what we do with our lives. But people's lives, rivers, they just don't work that way. And when those seemingly random events start to fit together like puzzle pieces, and we can see the picture more fully, sometimes it's only then that we pause from our ruminations, our churning of thoughts and self-doubts. But what if at the start, we believe like Jochebed that God is able to work out beauty for ashes? Beauty for ashes. Out of the ashes of circumstances in our lives, God can do, will do something beautiful with it. But with the self-help crowd, we want to be the designer and work toward it. And striving, 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 massive action to make life happen for us. What if we rest in what God has for us? In a place of peace and faith and rest. Action happens there, but in a different starting point. Some might call it energy, but it's really beyond energy. If we imagine Jacobet's plight, the decision made in faith and the struggle, what was her struggle? Was her struggle in controlling her thoughts back to resting in God or maybe a quiet praise that God will work it out for their good and Moses' good and God's glory? Not only that inner decision, but to continue into its eventual conclusion with returning her son to become another woman's son. Dude, I don't want to skate right past that. Let's sit with that for a second. Her own child she has to give to another woman. Sometimes there are really, really hard things to understand, to grasp how one gets through these heartaches in life. My youngest son was born of another mother, another struggle, another family. He has pain and trauma that I can't do anything about. Yes, Moses was going to live as a prince, the Pharaoh's grandson. But there's more to life than prestige and riches for your kid. There's a precious relationship that she wasn't going to get to have. So Jacobet turned her son over to his new mother, who the historian Josephus thought was named Thermuthis. Maybe it's her name, maybe it's not. But she was a real-life woman with a name unfortunately not recorded in the Bible. She was also thought to be barren, unable to have children. Jacobet's sorrow was Thermuthis's joy. She must have been a doting mother. She ensured that Moses was a legitimate member of the royal household. 
through his adopted mom, Moses's epicness continued as he was educated in the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action, according to Acts 7.22. As an adoptive mom, I can relate so much to the joy of being part of a young man's journey and loving him, helping him to grow and succeed in any way possible. I have older children and I've never really experienced infertility, but I have friends who struggled. As a princess, she would have been expected to produce heirs. And I'm not saying that this is the cause of infertility, but just generally, there are times we want something so badly that our energy and our thoughts work against us. We overcompensate. Thermuthis would have done what any of us would do. Seek out the gurus and what medical treatment can I do? What can I eat? When can I optimize my window of conception? Perhaps she even asked God to make it happen. Thermuthis probably asked her gods, her priests for guidance, not the Hebrew God. Month after month passes and that bodily signal returns to tell you that conception hasn't happened. It's the tough stuff of life that brings us to looking for God and all of us struggle through tough stuff. When you do struggle and you've been doing your law of attraction and the universe wants only good for you business, what do you do then? Do you add crystals? Maybe some consult the tarot or the horoscopes, maybe more meditation or whatever else we can think of to get our energy straight. The self-help movement would say, what more can I do? We want action. We want results. What can I do? In Thermuthis' life, though she didn't worship the God of the Hebrews, he had a plan that was working out, a mutual goal for her to be a mom. This plan unfolded without her involvement or pre-planning or manifestations. I say that without a hint of judgment, just grace. I have been there slogging away trying to make things happen. Remember, we're all just generally doing the best we can with the tools we have. But hear me when I say she was at the right place at the right time and made the right decision. If that's coincidence, oh man, do I have some coincidences to share. Please tune in to hear more of how God is at work even today and the many coincidences. It's been a lot of fun unpacking this tale of two moms and their mutual affection and desire to see Moses grow into an epic life. Circumstances of life can leave us thinking we're off track and we have to overcompensate to the detriment of our mental and physical health. We can be so focused on what can I do, what can't I do, and not what God is doing. We can misuse our faith and put it in wrong things, wrong people. This is not the way that God teaches us in the Bible to live a full and abundant life. It involves trust that he will work it out, especially the bad parts, beauty for ashes. It involves faith, which we use quite liberally in our daily lives, but sometimes question it in other areas. I myself am on this lifelong journey of contentedness and I think we can all learn something more about it. Stick with me in this series as we come to understand how the wisdom of the Bible can help us in our everyday life 
in our families, in our businesses, in our communities. You can live your daily life as an adventure of a lifetime. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and post about it on your social media. And please leave a rating and a review. To catch the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at AOA Lifetime. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. Music title, Soul Walking by Juanitos, used by the Creative Commons license from the Free Music Archive.